Hey there, I'm Lucas Fitz. If you know me, you know two things to be true. I love a good pair of denim, and I'm always here for the stories. When I first got into the heritage goods movement and buying intentionally, I looked to American Field as an industry leader in connecting cool brands to cool consumers. There's nothing better than hearing the story behind how a big idea grew into a business. Now, we're bringing it online and inviting you to join in the conversation, whether you're watching or listening along from wherever you call home. I'll be hosting these fireside chats, intimate, personal looks at the inner workings of some of our favorite brands on our AF network. So, sit down, grab a whiskey or coffee or beer, and ride along as we shine the spotlight on real people and real stories. This is AF Fireside. Today's episode is brought to you by The Dairy Block, a vibrant, walkable micro-district in the heart of lower downtown Denver. Experience the Front Range's most inspiring retailers, food and beverage purveyors, and urban office concept alongside the Maven Hotel. Dairy Block, a distinctly crafted destination found. Hey, welcome back to AF Fireside. I am, uh, per usual, recording this in my house, uh, but not per usual. This is the first October day of the season that that really uh, the cold is setting in. So I'm excited to warm up a little bit, talk to a good friend of mine from San Antonio, Texas. I've got Mario here, who's the founder of Richter Goods. Welcome to the podcast. Lucas, very exciting. Uh, great to see you. Yeah, man. It's great to finally get to connect uh, a li- as close to face-to-face as we're going to get until we, uh, we we see each other in real life. <laughs> very excited. Man, so give us uh, give us the high-level look at Richter Goods. Tell me about the brand. Well, we are a shirt-making company. We make shirts. Uh, it has taken us a good while to get where we are. Uh, our specialty is main shirts, and we make everything in-house. We're a vertically integrated operation, and we are based in San Antonio, Texas. Wild. So uh, you have a hand in, in actually making the shirts? Yes. Yes. Wow. We do literally everything from the design, uh, sourcing, stitching, um, snaps, everything is in house or marketing, everything. Wow. Wild. So how did you, how'd you get into it? Well, I went to college for business and right after business started working for uh, some premium brands. I was working for uh, in the industry for about 15 years and at that point I I uh, always wanted to do this. Tommy Helfer was one, one of my heroes when I was really sure. young. And I think I always was inspired by shirts and by uh, being a gentleman and the way you present yourself. And um, at some point, I quit my job and uh, started buying sewing machines and uh, started making products. And the first shirts were not very good. The second ones were not very good. And, and it's really a journey. Uh, today, we make a very competitive, very well-made shirts. Yeah. Yeah, it, it uh, doesn't seem like something that would naturally come to you the first time around. That takes a lot of trial and error to build, uh, to build up like a profile and a silhouette and a brand image that is, you know, unique to to what what you're doing. And I think you guys have really nailed that. I uh, what what you make is really evocative of a, I think a certain place and time in in the country. You know, I, like I I get a very strong San Antonio vibe from from the product that you guys put out. Thank you. I agree with you. I think that part of the journey is not only making the product, but to find your identity. Uh, I think that the Western shirt has a very strong influence from the land and the being in San Antonio and adding some elements, some modern elements, contemporary elements and exceptional fabrics and with those details from 
the, the South. I, I think mm -hmm. he has finally, after many years, uh, found our identity. Totally. So yeah. tell me a little bit, one of the things I, I love about uh, having conversations on these podcasts is that not only do I get to learn the ins and outs of brands, I, I get to sneak in a little salt and pepper of here's what this area of the country is like. Can you give me like the the insider's view on San Antonio? I believe that San Antonio is one of the last frontiers in the country. It's a city that is booming. It's the seventh largest city in the country. We are very close to Austin, Texas, which is an hour away from here, mm -hmm. Houston and Dallas. And uh, it's a city that is over 300 years old. It has a lot of colonial buildings downtown and missions and the famous Alamo. Uh, sure. In that for a small business is one of those places in America that you can still have a, an operation and survive and, 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 and find a way to make your dreams happen. Mm -hmm. uh, come to San Antonio. <laughs> cool. It, it, what's the, what is the small business community like there? You know, we have a very strong community. Um, I think that uh, San Antonio, in, so the, the industries in San Antonio are, the, the main one is healthcare. It's a giant regional hub for healthcare. Uh, there's a service industry, the military, um, and there's the small businesses. They, they, it's very service-oriented to an extent, mm -hmm. uh, but it's a market that is absolutely booming. Cool. Do you see a big menswear presence? I think it's growing. I think it's, I think it's evolving. Um, I think it's different in the way it's a great junior market. Um, I, I believe that uh, menswear is growing and is one of those things that uh, I, over the years has evolved and it will continue to evolve. Yeah, it's funny. I, I feel like there's such uh, like a great depth and, and density of really high quality menswear brands from like Texas through the Southwest up to California, which are like the places that you would least want to wear the most layers. <laughs> and, and here it's like, obviously there's a lot of great stuff in New York, but New England, we, there's just not a huge density of apparel manufacturing. Um, they're not that many. They really are. Yeah. Country, you know, you know, this better than, than anybody. Uh, they are just a few. Yeah. But the, the few in the bold, right? <laughs> We love that. So, so how did you, I mean, I, I'm going to guess that uh, place and time had a lot of influence there, but how did you decide on, you know, kind of the look of, of your brand? I feel like that's a thing that maybe for people that are listening, that maybe they have dreams of, of sometime, sometime becoming a Richter goods. Do you have any like fast track advice on how to really define that image? You know, I think authenticity is very important. And, uh, it's something that it doesn't come so clear. Um, mm -hmm. My my dad is an attorney, and, and uh, as we, he will always get dressed to meet clients or whatever. And I, I always romanticize. I had a lot of respect for him doing that. But he always had a pair of boots and a western shirts for my brother and I. And over the years, um, as I love shirting and with Tommy Hilfiger, Ralph Lauren, those uh, icons from American fashion. Uh, created, uh, your main intention was always influenced by, by the well-dressing, but it, it, it was not connected to my true identity. It's almost when you go to culinary school and uh, everybody wants to be a French chef sure. or, for, or, do, or do a French dishes, French cuisine kind of deal. And 
at some point you realize, well, I'm from Nashville, so I should make food from the South. Sure. And, and, and when that clicks really is when you find that true authenticity. Uh, mm -hmm. It takes time. I think that journey can be different for everybody. For me, it took me 10 years to realize what was important for me. Um, but today I feel that the products truly represent um, what I'm from, the city, uh, the area. Anyways. Yeah. No, I think that's all, that's all really valuable stuff. I think that it's, there's a balance between, you know, let's, let's throw it, throw everything at the wall and see what sticks and, you know, stay in your lane. It's not either of those. It's somewhere in the middle. You know, you really have to know who you are. Um, but I think you guys, all, you also take, you also take risks. You also do things that are, uh, you know, you choose patterns that are are bold. You choose features that that are bold, and and I think that's really true to who who you are as well. I think that's pretty cool. You know, and I think it's I, I think you couldn't say it better. I think that one of the things that uh, create refinement on the garment, like a shirt or a western mm -hmm. shirt, it's such a so technically actually, a cowboy shirt is a, it's a work shirt. You know, mm -hmm. The cowboy will wear it. It has some feature that is specifically designed from the way they open the pocket and uh, and things like that. The, the fabrics usually are a little bit more uh, blue color or, or rugged or mm -hmm. they, they, they are uh, designed to, like denim, they are, they are designed to take the stress, but we really mix it up. We really look, or I look for fabrics that are very special, very unique, uh, uh, very complex in the way they were mailed kind of mm -hmm. yeah and that's that's one of the benefits of being able to do smaller runs that you can do in your house you know out, out of your your own operation is that you're not you're not looking at buying and maybe you are in some cases but i would imagine it's not truckloads of fabric you're able to be a little bit more curated you know segmentation has changed and i think you you you're absolutely right i think that also consumers respond better to variety Mm -hmm. And uh, today, I, I would rather invest in 20 rolls of fabric and, and do a small batch and move into the next collection versus doing 3,000 yards of one color and 3,000 yards of another color. That, that, that model, I don't think, is sustainable. The consumers sure. have evolved. They're very, very well informed. Yeah, that's good. That's a good thing, right? I mean, I, that, it work, we have to work a little harder, but I, I think it also works in our favor. That is kind of the, kind of the goal around here. Well, let me ask you: Do you identify more as a maker or more as an entrepreneur? Uh, you know what? Um, I struggled for many years, probably, for to call myself a designer. Mm -hmm. I am a designer. I am a creative, and I think that uh, being an entrepreneur is also being a, a creative. Uh, sure. One of the things that you do as an entrepreneur is solve problems all kind of problems every day yeah yeah work we need to change the the, the tension on this we need the, the ace is not working you have to do this you have to do that sourcing something is stuck in the customs uh i think both uh, i do i do enjoy i have discovered my creative side and i feel mm -hmm. very comfortable with that uh, but i also believe that being an entrepreneur is now about being highly creative and resourceful Totally. Do you think that those two sides exist independently from one another or, or is there a symbiosis between them? 
uh, I think there is a symbiosis. Uh, I do believe that it's important to separate it to have uh, strong focus on one area and strong focus on mm -hmm. the other. But sure. sometimes you have to be very resourceful and sometimes the best results come from experiments. Yeah. Um, in the space that we are, we are, we have a very interesting space and this is a good example to what you are referring to or asking. Um, so we have a studio in San Antonio in an area that is up and coming. And when I started some years ago, uh, it was me, myself and Erin in our studio. We have a very large parking lot for 40 cars. And I'm thinking, oh, cool. and I'm thinking, well, what do we do? And uh, it was a, it was a porn shop, so nobody will come. Yeah. And, and we had that bad, of course. that that shade reputation. So sure, strip mall. You, yep. Exactly. So we started inviting makers, and we started inviting brands. And uh, you probably know the guys from Bear Goods. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They they brought their Airstream, and they parked after five years. They they are parking our space, and today we have a community of twenty businesses that park outside of a space. So we wow. were able to grow that organically. And that was a mix of being resourceful and, and trying to find or, or people to an extent. Mm -hmm. um, but that's when creative, creative meets business. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, so you're at um, kind of at the helm of this community of creative people that all go to all go to one place to do the thing that they're doing, but it's everyone is, does something differently. A little bit. It's a little bit like that anti-mole type of Sure. Content. Yeah. I get that. I have a, the, the workspace that I work out of is a, a building, an old mill building. That's like a very, very similar idea where everyone is kind of doing their own thing. There's some co-working, there's some businesses that, that are independent, but it's great to just be around other people that uh, are doing things, <laughs> you know, it, like even if I, I don't have anything to do with any of the other things people are doing, but to be able to get inspiration from the way that people solve problems. You know, those congregations of creative and entrepreneurs and, and Mavericks really shape the future or really, I mean, you never know where the, where the best next idea will come from or, or sure. that is very rewarding. Yeah. So tell me about how you go about collaborating. I know you, you mentioned a lot of people that you work around, but I feel like I'm always seeing it's, it's Richter goods in collaboration cahoots with, with another brand. How, what are your rules of the road for a good collaboration? I think people. I think that uh, I'm fascinated by people. Is people is the most important part of the equation. Um, I think it's very important to uh, complement different brands. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been fortunate enough to find incredible people. And some collaborations are small, and some collaborations are larger. We work with uh, heritage companies, and we work with very small brands. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's, in my opinion, a big part of the DNA. Of what of our, of our brand, it's really to find that way to tell the story and share that that uh, moment with, with with a brand that we respect or admire. Yeah, absolutely. There's a that's like a really beautiful holistic way of looking at something that can also be a logistical challenge sometimes. You know, especially when you bring creative minds together, I feel like there's there really is no one size fits all solution. Well, you have to have almost a Buditsava approach where, you know, yeah. you, you really have to take, remove the ego and say, well, I want the other brand to be successful. And what, do I, what can I do for the other brand to be successful? And I think that historically, when you do that, um, things come together. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've been lucky that we had some very successful collaborations in the past. 
cool. Well, tell me about some of your favorites. Well, we worked recently with a company in San Antonio called Peril. And Peril is, is a brewery, but owned by PBR. Oh, PBR cool. Pabs, Lone mm-hmm. Star. And um, they do some very interesting collaborations with brands. They did one with the Oxx Machina in California. And when they uh, relaunched a product after 130 years, we were able to work with them and to get involved with. Uh, we went to this, um, I don't want to say like a museum, but archive that they have with uh, really, all, I mean, signs from the 1800s and oh, cool. uh, also different brand elements and marks. So it was super inspiring. Um, that, that has to be one of my favorite collaborations. Very cool. How, how did you go about building that relationship? Well, I, I think that's the magic word, relationship. Relationships takes time. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that that level of trust comes with doing it every day, uh, doing what you say you're going to do and uh, delivering and uh, the, at the same time, really exploring and paying attention and getting immersed into what project is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like everybody wants to land that that brewery collaboration, especially at like kind of at that stage. That's kind of like a holy grail, at least for the last couple of years. And my other my my other favorite collaboration is the one that I have with my partner um, uh, with Bronte. She has a company called Launching Anxiety, and uh, cool. she does chain stitch. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're able to do a number of things together. We do things with musicians, so we're able to embellish. So that's very rewarding because. Every time we work with a musician, it's it's just like, like how do you tell the story in a shirt? Yeah. Kind of wow, what a, what a challenge. And that's like, what a perfect, uh, you know, like-minded collaboration to have uh, under the same roof as you. You know, you get Western shirts and chain stitching. That That's peanut butter and jelly in our world. It really is. It really, really is. It's very cool. Have you, um, I, you know, I've seen people do some pretty crazy, like, almost like full back piece, like tattoo style chain stitching. Have you ever done anything? You know, I'm, I know, I know I've seen pieces that you have like the name or the little embellishment on the front. What, what's like the craziest chain stitch that you have personally? Well, we, we did some really fun stuff with the band of heathens. Um, oh, cool. band of heathens and it was a very interesting project for their, um, I think it was their 15 year as a band. And it was at ACL. It was a very nice mm-hmm. event in Austin. And uh, we made them jumpsuits and they were all full of embellishment and they were wearing uh, space uh, helmets. So they looked like it was super, super fun. Very cool. We we do projects like that all the time and we go all out. It sounds like a pretty wild life, dude. It's fun. It's really fun. (laughs) It's, it must, uh, you must have moments that you kind of come to and, and think that, man, this is real. You, you know what? I'm very grateful. Very, very grateful. I mean, I, uh, we get to do what we want to do every day. I mean, it's very stressful because something breaks every day. Yep. We get to work with very creative people, with very uh, interesting uh, partners, and, and um, we love what we do. I love it. What can, we, what can we look forward to seeing coming down the road from the brand? Well, I, I'm very excited. We are... Now that the pandemic is a little bit more under control, sure. I think that um, we're going to have a, a longer presence. We outfitted a van, a smaller sprinter, into a mobile shop, and we're going to carry a couple of sewing machines, the chain stitch machines. So awesome. we'll chain stitch with 
shops and brands that we love. We did Transpecos just maybe a month ago. Uh, cool. We did XYCL. So we want to stop in Nashville. We want to. We want to go. We're gonna go visit you. We, yeah, we, man, gotta come up north. We, we're I going. love it. You jumped in on the sprinter craze, huh? You can't feel like you can't get a sprinter grand for under thirty grand around here lately. They are jacked up so high. It, probably since Amazon started their delivery thing and bought them all up. But good for you. Did you find a used one or? I found a used one with low mileage and um, started doing the renovation. It's one of those things that uh, we put solar panels and we put the vent and um, wow. we, we fix it to an extent. And the whole idea was to do a more evolved uh, conversion to, to be able to sleep. But as you're building and then you start moving things, uh, it turns out that we need the vent for space, for movement. Sure. So we're going to make it functional as a mobile store. Okay. And we are able to do, let's say we are in Boston, we go to a store and we can bring some of the product and change the, sure. all that fun stuff. It was cool. the dimension. I'm, uh, I'm excited to see that pull up someday in front of me. <laughs> Very cool. Well, Mario, man, you're, you're one of the real ones. You are, you're one of the best. How can people keep in touch with you and learn more about the brand and, and see how you grow? Well, we have our Instagram, of course, Rector Gets, and uh, we have our website, and uh, we have our products today at Launcher Anxiety, which is our, our partner company in everything cool. we do. And um, we'll be available at a store in New York called Canvas. Uh, we're very excited. It's a platform that is um, focused on ethical, and um, it's a very interesting store in the Bowery, uh, the yeah, campus, cool. which will be available starting uh, next month. Nice. Very yeah. cool. Well, we'll keep our eyes open. Uh, big recommendation from, from me here to, to go check out Mario and what he's doing in San Antonio. And we'll, we'll catch you in person one of these days, huh? We'll see you very soon. Sounds good. Appreciate your time, man. We'll talk again soon. Talk again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. I'm Lucas Fitz, and this is AF Fireside. To learn more about all the brands featured on the podcast, check out fireside.shopaf.co. And don't forget to subscribe to us on your streaming platform of choice. Thanks for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by The Dairy Block, a vibrant, walkable micro-district in the heart of lower downtown Denver. Experience the Front Range's most inspiring retailers, food and beverage purveyors, an urban office concept alongside the Maven Hotel. Dairy Block, a distinctly crafted destination found 